What do today's fastest growing direct consumer brands all have in common? They use Klaviyo to personalize their marketing, build their customer relationships, and automate their online sales. Whether it's a new subscriber or your most loyal customer, growing your e-commerce business starts with creating amazing marketing experiences. Discover winning marketing strategies in Klaviyo's new video series, Ready, Set, Grow. Each week, you'll explore key tactics of some of Klaviyo's more than 17,000 customers who use these to grow their business. So tune in to Ready, Set, Grow, and to receive even more helpful content, visit klaviyo.com slash blend. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash B-L-E-N-D. So when it comes to selling products in e-com, I think we all have a tendency to think about how do we get people to the site to buy? And I think pretty much for the past decade or so, this has meant one thing, cheap traffic, get the sale done, job done. But the problem is what happens when that cheap traffic disappears or what happens when it's harder to find customers or what happens when there's 20 competitors rather than say two? Well, I don't need to tell you guys, but look, this is the reality now. So the question for us is, well, what can we actually do to keep those customers coming back? And specifically, what about those that buy occasionally? Are they sleeping giants or, well, should we just forget about them? And to answer this question, I've got a real pro for you today, guys. And she's worked with Fortune 500 companies across brand management, strategy, consulting, and global marketing. In addition, She's actually been hired by Google to coach their premium partners, seven-figure scale-ups, tech, SaaS, and agencies who all work within e-commerce businesses. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Monica Sharma-Patnar to the show. So Monica, welcome. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me here. Excited. Yeah, me too. And look, as I said, thank you for coming on. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of things I think we're probably going to talk about there today. But I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, do you think that my assumption, you know, that we've been obsessed with those new customers over the past decade is true? Yes, <laughs> that was a quick answer. <laughs> I think it's an obsession with new customers, an obsession with that, what you said, the cheap traffic that we could easily get traffic initially organically. Later on, we did have to shift to paid, but it was still relatively easy to get it. And I also, I, if I can be so blunt to add, I think also this obsession that some of this entitlement, like those platforms owe us something. So every time they're making these changes, there's this hue and cry about it. And we may not be happy with their ways of business or what they do, but at the end, they're all the business as well. And they're, they can make any choices they want. So I think all, all those three things is something we've been kind of obsessed with. Yes. And, and I think yeah, for me as well, like obviously look, I, like you run a, run a service-based business and I think it's kind of as well, we get a little bit obsessed with that kind of dopamine kick, don't we, from that new customer. And, you know, it's like when you sign a new contract here you know, for us an agency, it's like, yes, yeah, we've done it. But it's kind of weird that as business owners, we fail to kind of get as excited about getting those existing customers we already have in the funnel coming back. It, it, it seems like a weird thing, but we all do it, I guess. Yeah, I think we all do. I mean, yes, there is a kick, right? Somebody else recognized us, they came to us, they see us as an expert or they see us for the products we sell. And that feels great. But we forget about those people or goldmine that are on our list of following us, maybe people already bought from us. Absolutely. I can agree with you more. And I think also 
we forget it does take three to five years, even in the day and age of online business, before you can actually break even and become a profitable business. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we forget that part as well. We're kind of touching it lightly there, but what is the bigger problem with kind of having that focus on just acquisition of new customers? You know, what's the real dangers with doing that? Well, it's not sustainable, right? Because if you have these one-time customers, one, it costs more obviously to acquire a customer than to retain an existing customer. The first acquisition may not even be profitable. So in terms of building a long-term sustainable business, and most people I work with, you know, it's also funding their lifestyles, a lot of family people, family businesses, you would just never be able to build a profitable business. And you always feel like you're running behind two steps. I've had clients who just couldn't figure out why they were never getting repeat customers. And the whole business was built over six figures on just new traffic and they were burning themselves out. So both from sustainability, financial point of view, but also from just not burning yourself out and you know, your mental health, I would say as well. Yeah. I guess on a bit of a side tangent with this, one of the things, I want to talk about TikTok for a second. One of the things that is concerning me about TikTok at the moment is there are a lot of people, particularly on LinkedIn, talking about the fact, you know, that TikTok traffic is, is and obviously we, we had a similar thing, I guess, with YouTube, you know, but I was more, guess, on an awareness perspective. Do you see that people are going down that route of TikTok with that same kind of dangerous idea of, you know, Facebook sort of 10 years ago? Or do you think people are being a bit smarter and kind of say, look, this is one of the few channels that can help us drive new and existing I think I see both. I mean, you do have the people who are like, okay, I have healthy other channels. Let me add on another one. And that's a healthy way of looking at it and repurposing content and not going absolutely crazy, but also just testing it out and see how it works for them. But you do see a lot of people who are just getting absolutely tired with whether it's Facebook or Instagram and thinking, oh, I need to be on TikTok because that's what everyone is saying is working right now. So I think like anything else, we see both happening. And I do think you have to be careful Yes, maybe we'll get you the traffic. First of all, be clear. Are your customers on there? <laughs> maybe you don't serve a customer who's really hanging around on there. How much time do you have? How much energy and time do you have? Do you have a team that can help you? Are you all completely on your own? And yes, it may be cheap now, but also be aware. What are you doing with those customers when our potential audience that comes to you so that tomorrow when it isn't cheap? I mean, TikTok is going to go the advertising way as well. They're going to want to right, earn out of it as well. So that things will change there as well. And we need to be aware of that. So Prepare yourself, I would say. Cool. And I, I suppose that kind of leads you on to my next question, really, is that, you know, when you think about that audience, you know, I, I know that you know, I've seen some of your writing about kind of connecting with that real audience, you know, your core audience. How do you kind of go about finding or connecting with that real audience? It's really, really simple. It comes back to foundations, getting to know who they really are. And I think that's what people keep missing out that step. So when I say real over ideal, because it tends to be something fictitious people make up in their mind of who they're really speaking to. That's also the definition, by the way, in a dictionary, if you look it up, versus like, who's the ones who are really coming to them? Who are the ones signing up on the list? Who are the ones buying from them? And the way to do that is to really just start talking to them, get them on the phone, a video call, face-to-face, -face, whatever is possible, interview them, have a meaningful customer conversation, not just surveys because she doesn't allow you to dive deeper with them, but truly get to know them. And you'll be surprised how much a few conversations, how much information I can give you about them, who they really are, why are they buying? And then therefore, what's the benefit and value you're really offering from your products? And then using all that information to translate it consistently your messaging, your copy, your content, your advertising. And obviously it will still require some testing, but 
it would be more educated testing mm-hmm. and allow you to get more ROI out of both the money you spend and the time you spend on things. I mean, look, I think me and you are pretty much singing from the same, the same hymn sheet here, you know, in terms of that thing of, of talking to customers. And I'm sure, you know, like us, we have a real problem in getting brands to go out and do that. Do you think that is kind of a fear thing or is it the fact that, you know, I think one of the things that make me think about it is that they don't kind of see that as true marketing. They look at marketing as being advertising. Like what's your, been your experience with brands on that front? Yeah, so there is it, one definitely fear. I've seen, I've I've actually had to convince clients to do it. With me, it's non-negotiable when I work with clients that we go through this process. There is a lot of fear of rejection. There's a fear of the criticism they may get. And why would anybody even want to answer my questions? But there is also this return on investment aspect. You know, if I say I can help you with your advertising and get you 10 times return, that sounds so much more interesting than say, let's talk to your customers, which you're then going to have to implement into your business. And maybe after a few months, you will start seeing the return. So again, back to that slow growth, quick results, this obsession with numbers and results really quickly versus realizing that sometimes taking that step back will help you to speed up going forward as well. And you just can't skip it. I always try to say, just think, okay, give me one example of a successful business, you know, who doesn't know who their customers truly are and why they're buying. And then everybody keeps quiet. <laughs> mm. No, it, it's true. And I think you know, the, the other thing as well for me is that in a way for brands, it's actually a benefit of kind of doing that qualitative piece because there is so much fear around doing it and, and kind of how you go about doing it that if you do take a step towards doing it, and even if like you start off with a customer survey, all of the other brands pretty much aren't doing that very well. So whatever you get back, it's going to give you a seal out of the competition, isn't it? Absolutely. And a survey is great. I mean, I, I I don't say don't do surveys, but you have to do them in combination with those with those conversations because a survey, they'll give you an answer, but you can't dive deeper into what they really mean with it and really dig a little deeper. And often, you know, people say something versus do something else. You know, we know that a lot of purchases are emotional purchases and that's so much harder to explain and which is only easier to dig into more when you're really speaking to them one-on-one. And for anyone listening in who's afraid, you know, I've had a lot of clients who are afraid and surprisingly, they've even seen that some of the people they spoke to, they were so happy. People love helping businesses. They love helping people. And some of those people became the most loyal customers because they said, well, you actually care. Nobody else is doing this. You actually care about what we think and you're really aiming to help us better through your business. So give it a shot. It gets easier as you do more often. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you no, know, it's one thing that always strikes me about this kind of part of, of e-com is, you know, brands are, you know, the, the past is trying to kind of show this authenticity in terms of advertising their marketing. So if you look at brands, they're doing behind the scenes videos, they're showing the process of manufacture or they're having members of their team come on and do ads for them. But that to me is very similar to that kind of engagement part with those customers. I've also then taken the conversation a step more of like, right, here is what's on all our business, but actually what do you think about it? Let me get your input on it as well. So it it seems to me like they're doing part of that but that last part, there needs to be more of. Yeah. I suppose the other thing is like, you know, we're talking here, you know, again today about those kind of occasional customers into those forever fans. And I suppose, you know, look, if we do that qualitative piece, we mix that with the quantitative data, we're doing things on site, the post-purchase experience, wherever it might be, 
to get them in. The next question is, what do we do to keep them engaged coming back to the second, third, fourth purchase? It actually comes down to the same thing. A lot of people think it's so different, but when you're speaking to your customers, you want to speak to a mix, the ones who've probably followed you, but just haven't bought the ones who done that occasional purchase and the ones who've been buying from you consistently and see what the red thread is. What are the triggers and the barriers for people to buy from you, not buy from you and use that understanding then again in your content. And I like to summarize it more as the content piece that you put out, say on your email list, people want to feel understood. So really empathize with them, right? And you have content pieces going around, really empathy, inspiring them, feeling like, you know, hey, there is something in our products that can actually help you in your life. I also say sometimes you're not solving problems, you're fulfilling desires. So lean into that. What is a desire you're helping with? So captivate their attention, inspire them, and then really guide them consistently through that journey. But the content you put out, I think, needs to keep leaning into all these different aspects. What I still see a lot of product businesses, e-commerce businesses doing, they're still leaning into product-based content, purely pushing their product. And then once in a while, you'll have that a little piece, reintroduction about themselves, and then maybe a lot of discounts or promotions or an event, another event they're holding. But there's so much lesser about really talking about what's in it for me as a customer. And that's what people want to know. What's in it for me and why should I buy from you? And mm -hmm. if you can consistently bring out that information to them, that's what's going to keep them engaged and show them that face behind that business. Make it personal as well. That's also what's going to make you stand out versus everybody else. So have a good mix of messaging and content that goes out that is beyond just the product. Of course, at the end, it is you're selling a product, but make sure it's more about that. What's in it for me? Talk to them. Have that conversation going. And I think, you know, that's for me as well. It's so important because there's kind of this whole debate about whether you should be product focused or, or kind of customer focused as a brand. And I think, you know, for me, I always kind of feel like there's a little bit of kind of extremes going on the market. You know, sometimes, you know, when you have brands who are all about the product, you know, they can do very well in the initial stages from, you know, a cheap traffic, get them in, get them bought and, you know, get rid of them. But it's also on the other side of the scale, you know, when you have those customer focused brands that, I feel like, you know, sometimes, particularly brands that go very heavy on the community kind of marketing side, they almost kind of forget about the product too much. Yeah. Do you think there's like you know, a bit of extremity going on in some places? Yeah, absolutely. And I basically remember that, you know, we do draw people in on their emotions and their feelings, but we urge them to buy and they need logic to make that actual final purchase as well as justify those feelings that they have. So for me, it's both. They feed into each other. So you cannot ignore either. And product focus, like you said, works really well when there's not a highly competitive market. You're maybe one of the only ones there. You can drive the market, the pricing, everything. But you do need to be, when I say customer focus, for me, it's somebody who owns into the actual needs of the customer and then creates the offer and the value and the, the product that they to really deliver on the needs. At the end, the proof is going to be the product because that's what they're getting sent home to them. That's what people get in their hands. But that needs to match the whole emotions and the value they have felt throughout the process as well. So it's not one or the other, but you start with your customer. What are their needs? Therefore, how can I best deliver that through my product? So don't ignore the quality. Don't ignore that, but deliver the right quality for the right audience, obviously. Mm. I mean, it's it, for me, it's that also is kind of going back to what you said earlier, isn't it, about knowing your customer and 
you know, it, it always kind of surprises me when you know, you ask a brand about their ICP or, you know, their customer profile and, you know, it, it's Sarah, you know, from Arkansas, who's got two kids and it, and it always kind of makes you smile when you kind of say, well, look, w- what is this based on? And you, know, yeah. you have that thing of, look, oh, well, this is the customer that we want to sell to. But is it who you're selling to? Is it who's engaging with you? And are those kind of demographic factors actually the things that are making people buy? You know, and I still see that being pushed a lot as a strategy. Oh, oh my God, everyone's still doing that. And I think they're basing it on who they would like to sell to as well as often based on their own profile. So I always, you're not your ideal customer either. You may start a business with an idea you have, and that's great. And intuitively you may start attracting people, but nobody's going to be like you. You still need to figure out who is the one actually purchasing and the surprising results people get. So I work a lot with even businesses that are very conscious. They ethics and sustainability is a big part of it. So some of these business owners say, I would never be caught dead buying something from Amazon. But when they go speak to their customers, they realize these are people who are leaning into sustainability, for example. But, you know, they may have kids and they may have convenience is also important. So whilst they're trying to be more conscious about the purchases, they will also still be buying from Amazon. And that changes the way then that you speak to them as well. So it's really about understanding who's actually buying from me or if you're a little more in the early stages, who could that potential customer be? But really, who's actually buying from me and how can I find more of these people and how can I bring keep bringing these people back? That goes for whatever stage of business you are in, whether you're trying to hit your first six figures, whether you've already gone to it, the eight figures, because markets change, you change, your customer changes. Really staying on top of that and seeing those evolving needs will allow you to keep evolving with that and overcome any hardships as well. I mean, talking about kind of those six-figure businesses, you know, because there are a lot of people listening to this who will, will kind of fall into that category. What would you say are some of the things that you most commonly are tackling with those type of businesses? You know, are the things that you see kind of being done repeatedly again and again that you're always kind of having to fix or always kind of having to advise or, or consult on? It really comes down to the same thing. So really digging into people's why, why they're even doing what they're doing. It seems like people tend to forget that over a period of time and not able to share that story with their customers. But then really diving deep into who their customers are. We do deep dive customer interviews. I teach them a technique I use called where they're really inviting customers to tell them stories so they can dive into the emotions. We mail more than demographics for me, it's about that desire. What is that need, want, and desire they really have? And therefore, as a brand, how can I fulfill that? So what are the benefits that I really offer? And what makes me unique and different to be able to deliver on that? Looking at the product portfolio, saying, okay, therefore, if this is their needs, this is why you're doing what you're doing, these are the benefits. Are you maybe doing too much? Do you need to be offering something else? Is there something we can pare down? And then looking at your numbers as well across the customer journey and seeing how can I use what I've learned about my customer? to improve those metrics. And now we understand why maybe certain metrics are the way they are and then coming up with a strategy across that journey. So that is actually pretty much a standard I'm doing with every business I work with. (laughs) I mean, on that front, we often, you know, see things, you know, being posted about marketing and who should really be responsible in a company for content marketing, for example, for brands. And there's this kind of big, you know, sort of discussion about, look, you, you shouldn't use an agency for content marketing it needs to kind of come internally because of all those things you mentioned about that kind of deep understanding. Do you subscribe to that or do you think there is a, you know, a way that, you know, you can essentially outsource your content marketing as well if you're wanting to lead on that kind of customer focused element? Yeah. 
Of course, I think there's always a way. Absolutely. I, I think, again, this is leaning into extremes. I think you can, you also have to see what you're good at as a business, where your strengths are and what are the strengths of other people. Are you able to bring somebody in your team in-house, you know, to do the content? That's one thing. For some, it's easier to get an agency on board. But if you have a very collaborative process where you're bringing them in onto those customer interviews, you're having regular discussions and you're feeding each other, I don't see why that's an issue at all. I actually think you could make that work. Absolutely. Any working relationship, employees, agencies that requires open and transparent communication both ways. And I think you need to find what works best for you, both you as a business. Do you have it? You know, I know a lot of business owners that are single business owners and therefore outsourcing to agencies. Others are bringing on full on teams. It comes down to open and transparent communication and involving them in the process. So allow them to be part of the customer understanding in the interviews as well, just as much as you are in the content development with them. Sure. I, I agree. And I think, you know, look, this is something I think that a lot of, you know, agencies, marketing professionals, you know, you struggle with, isn't it? Sometimes is that when that client sees an agency as, you know, the website guys, the marketing people, I think that's where it does kind of fall down. But if you are kind of saying, look, right, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to open up. We're going to really kind of see them part of the team you actually are able then to kind of communicate these types of things because you are prepared to share that. And I think it's, for me, I've always talked about this idea that, look, you know, when it comes to working with consultants or agencies, you've got to approach it as a relationship, not as a transaction. And I think that's the danger where you get, you know, some brands, you know, moaning about agencies or consultants have had a bad experience. But actually, you know, for me, it's like, well, you know, how did that relationship go? Was it relationship? Or was it right? We are paying you X to do Y. You know, that's- yes. And therefore, in X amount of time, we want to see this ROI. You also yeah. have to give time to develop working relationships and give an agency or freelance, a consultant, whoever you work with, also time to understand you and your business. And that means you also have to give it a little time. And it's always a two-way street. Always. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that, that subject of, you know, sort of relationships with customers, you know, look, it doesn't really matter where you are in the world right now. We're all a bit unsure about what's happening, you know, with the economy. Do you think that the relationship that brands craft with their customers needs to change in any way when the economy is is maybe not looking so good? Yes and no again. No, because I hope you've been doing it consistently already. If you've been doing everything we've been talking about, then you shouldn't have to change so much. If you're already working from really understanding your customer and their needs and really delivering value to them, through all your messaging and the products that you deliver, then hopefully you shouldn't have to change too much. But assuming that a lot of people probably are not doing that yet, yes, I would say. And I think this is the time to really go with, again, get to know your customers, what has changed for them. And then looking back at your business and going, saying, okay, what are the strategy or tactics or anything in our offerings that we need to change? The one difference, I think this current situation has more heavily than others. In any recession, I think there is, you know, a trust factor. But I feel given the pandemic, wars, energy crisis, inflation, governments constantly changing in some countries, things happening, you know, housing prices going out of the roof, there is a bigger loss of trust than I think normal. And this is just, you know, obviously my instincts, what I'm from what I see around me. So you need to lean in even more on building that trust factor with your customer. They need to see more from you. It's really value-driven communication and for your products as well. Again, and heavily what's in it for me, but also why you, why should I trust you? They need more from you now to be able to trust you and make that purchase. So also recognizing that that whole nurturing phase 
may take a little longer and being patient in that. So and those are a few key changes I think you just need to be aware of. And as long as you stay on top of your customers' needs and what they want, it's easier to make these adjustments. And a reminder to everybody that there's so much research backing up that it is the ones that really build strong brands from customer focus that come out out of recessions stronger, actually, and actually do better. So this is not about just cutting all your marketing spends, but being very clever about it from a customer. Okay, what does my customer need? Therefore, where can I optimize things more? But just, yes, leave, lean in more heavily into the trust aspect. I think you can lean in a little more even into your existing cust- followers and existing customer base because they're the most loyal they will also be the ones that will more easily talk about to others, which can be super helpful at this stage. But I think those are some of the key changes I would make at the moment. Excellent. And it, to me, like, you know, when you were talking that, if we think about the economy, there are things that we can learn from kind of that COVID period in the sense of like you mentioned there, everything in the world is kind of in flux. And I think the brands that won during you know, the pandemic very well were ones that A, were consistent, could keep delivering product could keep up the same you know, level of customer service and those ones are wins because we were all kind of searching for that level of normality, weren't we? And I think we did that through our spending habits. So I feel like, you know, it's going to be, you know, again, the same thing over the next maybe 12 months where you're keeping that communication, you're still offering the same value. Or if you are, you know, changing your offer slightly, yes, okay, maybe the, the product size, product type is going to amend slightly because you need to cut costs, but the kind of more of the, I guess, stuff around it in terms of the customer service piece has got to be maintained. And that's going to get that buy-in from the customers to keep them coming back. Yeah. And I think and don't be afraid to be human. Show yourself. And if you're struggling as a business owner, you can talk about it a little to your customers. I had during the pandemic, I remember a few clients that came back to me and they said, well, during the pandemic, what I just sent a really honest email, like, should I even continue this business or not? And why they were struggling with that decision. And they ended up having some of their best months ever in the pandemic. Some of them sending luxury jewelry. So be human and people want to see the face behind it. So if you are struggling, if you're not sure what changes to make, that's why I keep saying lean into your customers and to their needs, talk to them. And those open communication will actually build the trust even more because they'll see there's a real person behind this business and we are not just a number to you either. Awesome. Monica, I wanted to kind of round off today with, with kind of two things. And the first thing is that when people have finished listening to this podcast, what would you say are the first three things they should be doing? First three things. Okay. Well, Speak to your customers. Number one, I think I've said that loud and clear many, many, many times. Get a few customers on a call, video call, face-to-face, whatever it is, and really speak to them. And I have a handy resource for people with like four types of questions that they can ask to just get them started. Then make sure that you're really clear based on what you really learned from them. What is there for the value you're really offering these people and your customer base and what makes you different? That combination will be able to then translate into great messaging and content. So speak to your customers, define the value, what really makes your different basis also that. And then I would say, pick one metric that you want to now improve using the information you've learned from your customers and the value and see, okay, what are the three to five content pieces I can now put out to my audience to get that engagement going? Fantastic. Thank you very much. And Monica, if obviously people want to find out more about you and obviously what you do, where should they go? What should they do? 
So I have my website, businesswithmonica.com. You can find me under the same handle on Instagram and under my full name, Monica Sharma Patnikar on LinkedIn. These are the places I'm the most active. You can download my resource, which can help get you started in terms of speaking to your customers. I will also get you on my email list where I am always sharing lots of helpful tips and advice on the same topic. Fantastic. And guys, if you are listening All of those resources and links that Monica mentioned will all be in the show notes as well. So if you are in the gym, driving to work, when you get there, just have a look at the show notes and everything will be there. So Monica, thank you so, so much for coming on and being with us today. Thank you, Adam. I love this conversation. I can just go on about it forever. Me too. Thanks, Monica. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have liked what you've listened to today, do give us a like or review on the listening platform of your choice. And we'll be here again same time next week with Shopify Across the Pond. <laughs>